Welcome to A Kenyan's Experience, a podcast for Kenyans by Kenyans. In this podcast, we use real, raw, and personal journeys to provide you with the knowledge and the power to demystify, simplify, and make better decisions about your academic and professional future. This podcast is relevant for everyone at any point in their academic or career path, from high schoolers to university students to industry professionals, and even those looking to pivot later in their careers. Here at AKE, we ask the questions you wished you had before you started your journey and normalize making bold decisions for you. So tune in for a once-weekly episode that will leave you inspired, challenged, and laughing as Kenyans tell their stories here on A Kenyan's Experience. In this new season, we're introducing a new feature, voice notes, whereby you as the audience will be able to click on a link that will be in our show notes and let us know what you thought about the episode. Any feedback you may have, you know, as far as content or even like technical stuff, we want to improve. So hit that link, record a voice note and let us know what you think. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of A Kenyan's Experience podcast. We are back again, alive and kicking, recording again. As you guys know, we want to bring every episode to you guys as often as we can. And I feel like this is, I'm not going to lie, I feel like this is our biggest one. <laughs> it's yeah. our biggest one because we have such an amazing guest with us. Um, where do I even begin <laughs> with entering? I feel like my intros will, will be so lupar for the magnitude of this guest that we have. But uh, we are joined by someone that I look up to so much in so many industries, and we'll dive into that. Someone that I know my co-hosts look up to as well uh, in so many capacities. But I mean, we'll I mean we will talk to her and we'll introduce ourselves. So I'm I'm Dennis. I'm with my co-hosts Cynthia and Godoni. You guys wanna? Say hi to the people. Hey guys, hope you're all doing good. I'm happy to yes. be here. Excited for this. Yeah, song. yeah. And sorry, sorry. So I'm gonna put you in the cold. Cynthia has a cold. She's here with us, but uh, <laughs> sorry, I forgot she's sick. But she's with us in spirit, and yes. we are joined by such such an amazing guest. We have Mudoni Drama Queen on the podcast with us. <laughs> hi hi guys i'm really happy to be here oh we're happy to have you yeah this is dope 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 yeah so well we normally start off by asking our guests to introduce themselves and we know already so much about you because we follow you like in everything. But for <laughs> the sake of keeping things logical and, um, and you know, uh, proper, introduce yourself, Mudhani Drama Queen. Fantastic. So my name is Mudhani Drama Queen. I sing, I rap, I play drums. Um, my primary vocation is I'm a musician. Uh, then... In an adjacent life, I'm also a founder of uh, festivals. I founded uh, Blankets and Wine, which is in its 15th year in Nairobi, its 10th year in Uganda, and its 2nd in Rwanda. 
We also run another festival called Africa Nouveau, which has been on hiatus since pre-pandemic, and we're figuring out when it comes back. Um, um, I've also founded and are running an experiment called Perform Music Incubator. The idea is that we really want to upskill um, the music sector in Africa. We believe that we can bring some thinking and some skill development to the sector. And uh, so we do that work. Um, we train across artists, artist managers, publicists, event producers, sound and light engineers, and, uh, and music producers. And we're pretty excited about uh, the results we're producing so far. So that's what I do. And uh, in between all of those things, I'm a new mom. I am a Aww. sibling, hey. I'm a friend, I am a cousin, you know, doing the life thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Balance. You have a full life. <laughs> Absolutely. That's amazing. Um, before we get into the music part, because I know that's going to take a lot of our time, <laughs> let's just have a quick discussion about um, what you studied at uni, um, what course you did, what if you considered any other courses who supported you throughout that journey, what the application was like. So um, um, what did you study at uni and which uni did you go to? So I went to USIU. I studied international relations um, with a minor in philosophy. Um, I really enjoyed my learning process. I feel like I was really prepared um, for uni. So mm-hmm. high school, I, I mean, I did 844, like all Kenyan kids or most Kenyan kids, rather. Um, I was in government schools my whole life. Uh, I went to Lavington Primary, then I went to Moy Girls School, Nairobi for my high school. But after, in my last year in high school, I had the fortune of uh, stumbling onto some information about um, the IB program, the International Baccalaureate, and um, I convinced my, <laughs> my folks that, uh, you know, I was like, yeah, it's like, it's like from five and six, but better. And, you know, <laughs> and my dad was like, hmm. And my mom's, uh, one of my mom's BFF um, uh, was teaching at St. Mary's. So she, you know, she really made a strong pitch for us, mm-hmm. for me rather, uh, to my folks. And so I did two years of IB. And I think those two years, like, really when I look back, I think those were perhaps my most important education years. Um, I really came into a system that um, uh, was really about, or is really about uh, developing a critical thinker uh, and, mm-hmm. a, and a problem solver and somebody who is just contextualized um, in the world that they exist in. And I think that that work that you know IB did in shaping my mind and then like the actual toolkit for uni, you know, writing uh, research papers, uh, research itself, citations, uh, that stuff, which was super, super intense. So getting into uh, to uni, honestly, for the most part, felt like a breeze. I breezed through it. <laughs> I was super prepared for uni. Yeah. I should say I had had a short stint at University of Nairobi. Mm-hmm. I had like a couple of weeks, maybe two months, I was in University of Nairobi uh, at the point at which I was clear that it wasn't working. I was doing economics. Um, I had hoped to minor in political science. Um, 
one day I was sitting in class, in an economics class, and I was like, yeah, this is, this is lies. <laughs> I don't care about this course. I don't care about this I don't care about this thing. I'm doing this thing to to impress like adults when I say I'm doing economics. Yeah. I don't care about it. The, the the way the education was, you know, being given was very unstimulating. I had done economics, um, foundational economics in IB, and like mm-hmm. the rigor of learning, the way to stimulate the learning. I was really, I knew economics can be really interesting. And the way we were doing it at EON was the absolute opposite of my experience. And I think ultimately I was like, and then I do what? I don't want to make economic policy. I don't really care about that, to be honest. So yeah. I dropped out. I pulled a Kanye. <laughs> and then several <laughs> months later, <laughs> several months later, I, I got into, into USIU. Between these two things, I had a... a, a, a an internship at the Africa Youth Parliament. And um, I really got to see, I guess, mm, I guess what IR looks like in the real world, right? Like advocacy Mm -hmm. and thinking of connecting the dots between ideas and advocacy and policy and implementation and, you know, sort of that, the idea of like the different actors in that space and what it takes for things to work. I feel like that experience at um, AYP, I, I traveled for a conference. Uh, um, you know, I got to meet a lot of youth activists. Uh, there was a lot of rallying around the Global West yeah. commitments towards um, HIV, AIDS, uh, support mm-hmm. programs, ARVs in particular, I remember, were a big thing in that conference. I didn't know any of those things. But I guess just now being front and center, seeing like or what it takes to move the needle as far as policy and then the outcomes of those things. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like that also really um, helped me clarify that, yeah, I wanted to study international relations. I wanted to acquire the language uh, and the understanding of that world that I had been briefly involved in. Wow. So... That is a really right. long answer. My apologies. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we love long answers. No, we, yeah, we, 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 we love long answers, honestly. Yeah. We, we love long answers. Great. So with, with I'm curious, you said you did economics and, uh, and those subjects. Would you say you had a passion for them, like even before starting them? Was that your passion and like, you know, I want to do economics, I want to oh, do no. this political Oh, no, not side. at all. No, 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 no. It's just mm. like, you know, when you apply to go to UAN, this is mm. what you apply for and this is what you're given. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't, I was like, okay, I've been given economics. It's right. I don't mind that. I've right. already done yeah, some right. foundational econ in IB, so I suppose we can continue. But no, that is, yeah. I was not like, I didn't have the hearts for economics. <laughs> no. <laughs> So what was your uni application like? I asked that because many of our guests, um, we always ask this because many of them study, you know, like abroad and they have various support systems that help them get to universities. And for especially speaking to like the local universities, what was that application like? Was it troublesome? Was it easy for you? Was it something that was smooth sailing um, I would say the the 
Kenyan one is, it wasn't a thing, you know. You're in Form 4, you get forms to fill to Nairobi University. <laughs> Done. <laughs> That's possibly the most straightforward piece of work you'll ever do, you know, in a couple of, like... 35 minutes flat, you'll be done with that application process. Um, so that one wasn't really difficult. Um, then um, the USIU process was also pretty straightforward. Um, you go on the website, you can read. I went to the office because I, I wanted to know uh, if I could transfer credits um, mm -hmm. from IB right. into USIU. And actually, that was one of the main things that like tipped me over for USIU. They were like, absolutely, they understand the IB system. Um, I basically more or less transferred um, a year's worth of uni from two years of wow. IB, you know. Um, so I, it was really good. I felt like the systems talked to each other and they knew what was happening. Um, the USIU folks were pretty helpful it, that the thing was like it was a no-brainer almost kind of like this is what you want to do you've done ib or here are your form your certificates that's fantastic apply and also the sense that i got they didn't say it um well this is also years ago um so i don't remember them saying it directly but they implied that basically because i had been through ib um it was almost guaranteed entry so I didn't have the suspense of will I be selected, right? Mm -hmm. um, the, when I was in IB, I applied to like two American universities. I didn't apply to any in the UK. I applied to um, some American universities. When we were in Saints, we would have, there was a, a an afternoon we would do I think every other week or something that was kind of like career afternoon and thinking through uni courses and the application process and how to translate this stuff we were doing in IB to make it easier for application or to pick the right courses so I felt that there was a significant amount of guidance to be fair for the most part I didn't really pay attention to it our family wasn't uh, wealthy I didn't think I could really afford to study abroad um, unless I was like really on scholarship. I wasn't that keen on thinking about scholarships. I was just trying to be a Missy Elliott dancer. So I think I absolutely wasted my opportunity in like discovering how to do application. So then when it was time to apply to the American universities, it was such a pain in the ass. Um, I had to study for all these exams. Um, I've been a history major in all my education. I thought it was the same. American history is definitely nothing we know about. Like, ugh. I had yeah. like two weeks trying to crush course, the whole thing. I'm pretty sure I failed my uh, those uh, exams to go to America. What are they called? The SATs. I'm pretty sure SATs. I failed. My, yeah, I'm pretty sure I failed my SATs. I can't remember, but that's how this. That's how jarring the whole thing was. Um, but the, I think the piece that would have been helpful if I had just paid more attention is like I should have stayed in like common things, <laughs> things like English, math. I should have not said, you know, yeah, I can do a history exam. Uh, the systems don't talk to one another, you know. Like what we know and what they know is so different. And there just wasn't enough time to prepare for that effectively. Um, but yeah. 
I would, yeah, it was difficult. The American process, that one was a bit difficult. I, I, I won't lie. So anyway, I applied to two universities and I was like, this is too much. I'm tired. So if they don't call me, <laughs> there goes my dream of being Mrs. Dancer. So I, I didn't, I got rejected by one university and one university accepted me without any financial aid. And I was like, okay, not interested. Mm-hmm. Speak more to that. How was the rejection when you got it? How were you feeling at the time? Um, I would say expected. <laughs> I expected to be rejected, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so one of the cool things about uh, when you do um, IB is um, you learn to think like the marking scheme. Hmm. Right. So as you're walking out of the room, even before anybody has told you the results, you can yeah, you, you can predict with a strong degree of accuracy <laughs> where yeah. the thing is going to land. So as soon as I left the room, I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> failed." Um, I wanted to ask Mudoni. Um, so just two questions for me. If um, sorry, Dennis, I know you told everyone I was sick, but I had to join in. <laughs> you are here. I'm joining by force. By force. <laughs> I just couldn't resist. Um, you had mentioned that you, when you had joined Nairobi University, as you were sitting there in econ, you were just like, "Hey, this isn't for me." And it's and for me, I'm just wondering where that confidence came from to just you know, say to yourself and to admit to other people that this isn't for me and yet that to sort of like empower you as opposed to sort of like make you feel bad that, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know yeah. if that's, that's making sense, but so where did that come from? And then my other question is just in relation to you going, so it's, it sort of sounds like your dreams to go to university in America were very much based on the foundation of there's more freedom to chase what it is that you're really after, which is what you've ended up in, which is music and sort of being in that community and sort of like you had decided that if you're going to stay in Kenya, you're going to do something more basic like econ, you know, IR, things that are more African, you know? Um, hmm. So is, is that correct? Sorry, I've asked too many questions, but... No, just, no, no. <laughs> <in. laughs> no. No stress. Um... So, how or why did I know this thing in Nairobi University wasn't going to work? I think the confidence came because I, I knew better. Mm. You know, um, I'd had two years of studying economics at higher level. And mm. I had had the experience of my mind being engaged and challenged and, and discovering things and really being um, responsible uh, for uh, learning outcomes um, and I knew it could be really interesting. Um, so when we're sitting in this, you know, Taifa Hall, all six, seven hundred of us, and you know, like it just was, it was giving nothing, you know, <laughs> it was giving fail, boredom, zombie mode, and I, I, I really feel like I, it was just a moment of awakening, like, no, this, if this is so boring when I'm in class, can you imagine how boring a life this is going to be? And I was like, no, fam. The end. I didn't have a, a great game plan. I mean, when I quit, I didn't have, like, options, I, nothing. I was just like, 
yo, this thing is way too boring. I didn't even know how I was going to frame it to my parents, but mm. I was just like, it ain't. It's giving nothing, and um, I just have no interest in signing up for this kind of life, you know. Then, um, thank God, the next day the lecturers went on strike, so I never had to have the conversation anyway. <laughs> do they know now that you wanted to leave um or will they find out when they listen to this podcast <laughs> uh, possibly yeah we've never had that conversation you know because then you know our family also had like some pretty traumatic things that happened and like th- this conversation became so significantly deprioritized at the point at which mm. i was saying okay i'm happy to go back I- i'm not going back to uni um it was like oh what and then i was like yes but i have an internship at the africa youth parliament so it was also like what you know so that it's like you know you know that thing when a rat is biting it also blows it felt like that like (laughs) i confused the situation significantly so it's only a couple of months into my my internship that my mom was like yo 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 so what the hell is the plan with your education at which point I was like, yeah, I can go to USIU to do IR. You see, it's an extension of this thing I'm doing. And in her head, it's like, oh, yeah, that actually makes sense. You know, she's already in an Africa Youth Parliament. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she might as well go and learn to be a diplomat. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, as to your second one um, about, like, sort of staying in Kenya. So first, I should say that I've, I'm, I've never regretted not going abroad. Um to be honest, I didn't really have a strong incentive to go abroad. I really just wanted to dance with Missy, you know. Um, so uni was my decoy <laughs> to, to be in the States to dance with Missy. I didn't really, at that point, I hadn't uh, made the decision that I wanted to do music as a career. So I didn't really have a strong for, uh, for or against abroad. Um, I also knew that my family didn't really have the financial resources to support, like, an abroad lifestyle. So I wasn't married to the idea. I thought it would be kind of cool to go to the States and audition for Missy eventually. But I I had no real idea. I hadn't spent any real time thinking about um, this thing. Uh, What I did know, you know, generally as far as life is concerned, is I wanted a fun life, a full life, a happy life, uh, an interesting life, a curious uh, life, and that's it. That's all I knew at that point, you know. Um, so, yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I, I, I didn't I, I didn't think that I needed to, to, to dumb down. Even when I picked, you know, the econ option, it was the best of the options from what had been offered to me. And I still thought that mm-hmm. it could be interesting until it was not. Then I was like, I, mm-hmm. I'm out of here. Um, but, like, my choice of IR, that was wholehearted. I was really, like, working at the Africa Youth Parliament really brought a lot of things i just didn't know and i didn't know it was also interesting um and really seeing that meeting point between like advocacy lobbying policy implementation uh to me the whole thing seemed so interesting and then there were so many you know actors these state actors these non-state actors uh the whole universe you know operates quite there's lots of you know maneuvering i was i was like yeah this was up i i really want to study ir but at a huger kind of you know 
a much more macro idea. At the point at which I decided to 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 apply for USIU, I really I was going to university to expand the way I think. I wanted to acquire language and tools and a framework. Uh, I was so ready and willing to learn, you know. Um, So for me, that was really the driver. And I didn't struggle with learning at all between the rigor of what I've done at IB, but also just my openness. I studied for the first time I studied physics, you know, in, in USIU. That was one of my electives. And that was one of the best decisions I ever made because, you know, I quit <laughs> physics at the end of first term form one, you know, and <laughs> the only thing I knew was like vinea calipers. So now coming into physics at this point and it's such a, at a high level, it's like really condensed. It's like concepts, you know, like electricity or gravity, things that I was always curious about. And uh, the lecturer was so fascinated with the way the world works. So it was also, it felt like really uh, the science of the universe as opposed to something I needed to do to pass and to get a grade. Um, so um, I really fully thoroughly enjoyed my my experience. And, you know, USIU is really a premium experience, no cap. So I'm really glad I got to do that. I mean, I think I, I want to add that with the IB system. So I went to um, one of the Brabans that had IB as opposed to A-levels once you finished um, your 10 and 11 IGCSEs. And so the, the way the system, the school worked, it was principles based on IB. And you could, I, I completely agree with you. I think IB has this thing like, yes, you're doing nine ridiculous subjects, um, but, and it's a lot for people who do like A-levels where it's like four subjects and then IB is like nine and then you have like all these projects and stuff. I mean, I really feel fun people did IB, but just the way that you're talking about it, it really sounds like it's something that opens up your mind. And for me, even though I didn't do IB, having gone to a school that was centered on those principles, I agree that it really does open up your mind. And I think it does so in a way where you appreciate learning and so people who are listening, who are considering, should I go to A-levels or IB? I think if you're someone who's curious about learning, curious about opening up your mind to like what education has to offer as opposed to just like a tick box, I think you could maybe take Mudoni, um, MBQ's um, advice and her story into consideration. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'm really the poster child for IB in the world. I, I cannot recommend <laughs> this thing enough. Yeah, but it's also not for everybody. Yeah, the learning is intense. It's, yeah, it's not, yeah, yeah I, I, there's no I, BS. I hear that. Yeah, yeah abs- absolutely. I remember yeah. that time, I think I had the option of like IB and I was so scared of it, honestly. <laughs> I was just hearing so much like how much people have to read and study for it. I'm like, this is a no-go zone. You know, so I was thought it was like for the brave, for the brave. Yeah, but yeah, it's 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 amazing to hear that it was it was such a pedestal in your journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely agree with you, Dennis. I was in Aga Khan Academy, the one in Parklands, and after yeah. eleven, it's IB. And look, listen, guys, I just I didn't like to read that much in school, <laughs> and I just didn't want to stress like that. So I just knew IB wasn't for me. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting to you. I think you're like the first person I've had like really talk about IB in this way. 
and even hearing your university journey and even doing physics and your curiosity and how the teachers just helped you um it just sounds it sounds like that ideal picture of what a university experience is like because I hear people yeah. talk about, you know, it will really open your mind. You learn about different things. I'm like, in uni, I feel like I just went to class after class to pass my exams. Whereas for oh you, you really God. had this experience. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. That's what your uni experience was like. Okay. I mean, um, I had fun though. To, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I went. To, I went to uni in the UK. Um, okay. And that was actually the first time I was actually doing really good in school because I just oh. found it easy because I was doing more business subjects. I was able to grasp the the topics really easily. But I feel like it didn't really make me as curious as I would have thought. Um, but I mean, I had fun. I learned. And here I am. <laughs> Wonderful. So Madoni, you've, you've talked about your 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 journey in in you know uni in USIU, and and all of that. So now delving into your musical journey, was there a specific specific day, specific moment where you figured like you know what this is it, this is what I want to do. Music is my calling. Boom, here we go. Shoot, did you have that moment where you yeah. knew like this was your path? Yeah, 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 yeah. I definitely had that, you know, moment. I always, I always wanted to be in entertainment. I always wanted to be in music and in entertainment generally. Uh, um, from when I was young, but you know, I grew up in a super typical Kenyan uh, uh, lower middle class household. Uh, my mom was a school teacher, you know what I mean? Like primary school teacher. She was at that point, I even think teaching either at Kawangware Primary or at like Nembu Primary. Like, you know, we grew up in the hood hood in Dagretikona. So these were not options for children like us. To be fair, there was nothing to inform my parents that saying you want to be in a music career like the people you see on TV, There was that seemed so insane and not even insane useless reckless waste of time they you know they had such big plans for us you know to make something of our lives and for us to be that none of my parents both my parents didn't go to university my mom went to teacher's training college my dad didn't go to uni it's kind of like you finish high school and then your brother gives you a gig and then you kind of network with folks there and then you get another gig you know um so it was really important for them to that we were in school and that we were successful in school and they were, they are really that generation of uh, education is the key right. so the compromise there because it was obvious that I, I wanted to sing and to entertain was like you can do as much co-curriculum stuff as you want you know as long as your grades are good do whatever in school and uh, our school was set up all the schools have gone were set up that way you know there's drama festivals uh, i don't know music uh, festivals there is choirs there is public speaking debate club um so i was an avid member of all of those things and i also sang in the church choir so i always had music um i just kind of saw it through my parents lens like yeah you love this thing but get out of here you know (laughs) 
then um, I'm cousins with Waire. And so when Waire put out his first song, I was like in form three or form four when Waire put out his first song. And I remember going to the coin box, you know, the phone booth in my girls to call Capitol to like request for the song, you know. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, I think that's the first person I knew in my life who it's like, oh my God, hiya, you can be a musician. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's so cute. All the girls loved him so much. You know, I, so I also saw like the star version, so to speak. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this music thing could be something. Uh, one of my main incentives to join St. Mary's was because I'd had they have a theater arts program and they would do musicals. And I was like, what? You're saying I can like literally study theater and music and that's like the the course <laughs> mm-hmm. sign me up um so i was involved in the you know in the theater productions um so it was really good to see it at a high level like right from the jump you know i remember the first year we drew my ib1 akina lupita and ib2 and the, we were doing cinderella you know and i i remember just kind of watching that production and being like this is extremely impressive i had no idea um I mean, St. Mary's really was the burbs coming from where I was coming from, you know. Uh, so I knew that I loved music. I just didn't think it would be a career. And then fast forward, um, maybe I'm at the start of USIU and my friend who we were singing with in, in Saints, like, you know, mass or whatever, singing. Um, she was doing, she was recording some hooks for um, these rappers, Akinaki rapped, you know, and she was really bored with it. She was like, there's no real creativity, there's no real freedom. So, you know, in a moment of complaining, I was like, yo, I really think that you should, um, you should write your own stuff. And then she's mm-hmm. like, we should write our own stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess, you know, so then we started <laughs> writing. <laughs> And doing mm-hmm. some vocal classes. And then her sister was like, oh, you guys are so unambitious. You should definitely put on like a cabaret show. And we're like, oh, yeah, that's wow. a great idea. So we started working towards, you know, this show. And the process of putting together that show, you know, our very first show, that process of piecing the thing together, that is what, um, that was my aha moment. I just remember sitting in, on, in Jerry's house on her mom's kitchen counter and being like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. This feels, yeah. it feels good uh, putting together wow. the show and putting together the elements of the show. So I suppose in that moment, uh, all the festival stuff was born. I just didn't know that it had been born then, you know. Yeah. yeah. I love that story. It went from you like pushing your friend to you finding yourself in this situation yeah. where now being pushed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I feel like you hit it at the right time mm-hmm. as well. I'm a big believer that timing is everything, especially yeah. in career. I feel like it was the right time for you, you know, to make that decision of boom, this is what I want to do. And the country and the music scene needed it at that specific time. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Sorry, go ahead, Cynthia. No, I was going to say, and I think you you having 
you you talking about because I think one of the questions that we tend to ask is who in your life was someone who inspired you and you're talking about your cousin Waire that was just like it was the perfect like not aha but it was just like the perfect push to be like oh actually this is a thing that yeah. can happen and it, yeah. it's exactly yeah. why you know you had asked us before we started recording MDQ about why are we doing this and it's exactly for that so more people can hear stories in case they don't have that person in their corner to tell mm. them that actually you know this your dream is valid because again mm. it's something like you know you have you have missy elliot but akombali you know what i mean it's like mm. that's missy you <laughs> oh. know there's no there's no missy of nairobi of you know of the hood um and it's just yeah. like for you to have your cousin who's so close you can speak to them you know and just hearing like adoni said that capital fm you know sending you know your katenbo over 20 bob to request right. a song <laughs> like it's it matters like stories like that matter and it's it's why we have this this podcast um as mm-hmm. well so it's really empowering to hear that and for you mm-hmm. you know you're as mdq you're that person for somebody else you know and you mm-hmm. being on our podcast is a way for them to hear your story and to be like actually mdq's done it you know Definitely. she's the person she's my missy here that now i can connect yeah. to you even better yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm happy to hear that there must be a story behind the name tell us about that mm. yeah. yeah so i started playing drums in church maybe i was like 10 or 11 i think when i when when drums came in i i was raised catholic so we had uh, a set of uh, drums in church and i was like oh this is fun it's a, definitely a way to stay awake during mass but it's also like really fun like being in charge of the rhythm section it just bringing like a vibe um yeah. then when i went to high school because i could play drums that was my audition to get into into drama club which is really where it was at you know <laughs> because then yeah drama club is all the talented kids and you get to tr- mm. go and do drama festivals and travel the country i mean really honestly the drama kids are way tat you know <laughs> so um i auditioned playing uh, drums and the uh, piece that we were going to perform that year uh, was um from the luo community so i ended up like learning this um set of six drums um they're called bull um but you often sing them in ohangla music mm-hmm. um so I was like yeah hell yeah if this is my in that's what's up i'm doing it um and then that stayed i didn't really think it was anything um but fast forward years later when we did get into studio with Ted Josiah um they i think they had just made I was admiring the Ismara cover for Gidi Gidi Majimaji that's like mm. one of Kenya's mm. best ever albums yeah. ever. Yeah. Um and I was looking at some of you know you know the 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 way the piece looked and talking to Ted you know about it. Uh, and I happened to tell him that you know I actually play these Ohangla drums and he's like you have to make that the core of your music. That's the thing that's going to give you identity, the rhythmic nature if you master those drums you will make music with Timberland like you must make that part of your story and i was like damn i did <laughs> so i just i just obviously couldn't make the connection between like what he was saying um but i did it um i brought the drums in and you know i've, I've stayed with the drums 
So then again, fast forward some years later, I catch a picture of myself performing at Sauti Zabusara and I was playing the drums. And I put a caption under the drum and I say, oh, Modoni drama queen, you know, haha. And then my friends are like, yeah, that's what's up. So they gas me up and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I guess that's the name. Uh, and then we, you know, build a mythology around the idea of Madoni Drama Queen as, you know, kind of, uh, you know, this mystical, mythological, you know, kind of superhero variant, human. And here we are, however many years later, <laughs> still waiting you... to make music with Timberland. <laughs> <laughs> soon come, soon come. Did you like, like it really when you first heard it? Soon come. I really believe that. Did yeah. you like the name when you first heard it? Hell yeah. I was like, but I'm a drama queen. I mean, I gave myself the name. I was like, oh, it's so yeah, cool. Nice. I liked, oh, the nice. play on play. I really thought it was like a double entendre. I was very, I was extremely pleased yeah. with my joke. So, <laughs> so when my friends ratified my joke, I was like, aligned. That's it. Drops mic. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I really like the name as well. MDQ. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you talked about um, being told that your voice wasn't Kenyan enough when you were starting out. Um, how did you choose to be bold enough to just stick it through and share, you know, your music with those around you? Hmm. I don't think I was bold about that. To be honest, um, yeah, to be honest, that's really knocked me off for many, many years. Um, because, I mean, now I know what it is, you know. At that moment, it just felt like um, senseless othering, you know. Um, you can't just decide that there are people who qualify to be Kenyan and then there are people who don't qualify to be Kenyan. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I mean, in retrospect, I, I now fully appreciate what those people were saying. I don't even think they were gatekeeping. You know, I, they, they were in positions of influence. Um, you know, um, you know, either as programs controllers, like at the best radio stations, or they were music producers in the, the studios are producing some of the best, you know, music or some of the most popular music in Kenya at that time. I just think that this is kind of the struggle of Kenya um, mm. in, in the sense that um, because everybody lives in their silos, there's so little common ground where we can see... Um, one another. Yesterday, we were just having this conversation in the studio with Blinky, and he was saying some time fairly recently, like in the last few weeks, I don't remember, but they were backstage uh, with Major and, you know, mm-hmm. a bunch of other Kenyan artists and whatever. And then somebody started to play Blinky's music, and Major said, um, You know, Mm. Um, which for those of you who don't know, it, it means, in Kiswahili, it means like remove that music for, you know, Westy kids. Mm. And it was such a moment, such a clarifying moment for Blinky because it's, he says, you know, like, 
there's so much that Medra that that Medra could gain from say working with Blinky because mm-hmm. of right. Blinky's uh, taste in music, his experience, mm-hmm. uh, and sort of his removedness also from what would be called like sort of mainstream culture. There's something really beautiful and fresh that he could yeah. lend. There's a deepening of the sound that he could bring. There's an opening up. There's a uh, clarification of the music. You know, there's that thing that Blinky could add to Genge that moves it to the mm-hmm. next level. Right, mm. but because as soon as people on one side of the tracks hear people from other side of the tracks, the classism that we live in and the silos that we live in, there's no neutral ground. Right. So I understand that now, you know, that uh, in being told that the thing was not Kenyan enough, it was kind of just like we don't know that the real thing there was like how do we expand. Mm. the palette or how do we make space for the palette how do we at that moment I was really clear that I wanted to make great pop music right my mm-hmm. idols uh one continue to be like Missy or Lauren Hill um there was some Alicia Keys uh you know there was some common I, I really feel like I grew up on or I got myself into really good music so I had a really good mm-hmm. music taste my favorite Kenyan artists you know, Necessary Noise, Giddy Giddy Maji Maji. I'm definitely a child of pop. Mm -hmm. I just thought that we could make Kenyan pop pop more. There was Mm -hmm. something to be added to, you know, to the pop. Um, Mm -hmm. But the people who are holding space for that conversation, you know, just, they just didn't know how to expand this thought and so what he did is it was a, a big blow for me. It's like, oh, you can't belong here. Um, you're not deserving of these opportunities. You're not deserving of these spaces. You're not worthy enough, you know. So then not Kenyan enough actually became a wound I carried for a long time because then if you're not Kenyan enough, you, you go to find, uh, A, places where you could be enough, uh, but also the forever longing to be part of this thing that is, you know, sort of Kenyan enough and always you know, never being really able to occupy even those spaces I moved in because I keep, you know, looking over my shoulder for like, oh, but how could I be more relevant for Kenya or how could I, mm. like, get Kenya to, like, to want me? And so I think just lots of years spend, spent in that, in that sort of broken place. Now, it's not that there wasn't, I haven't had a, a good degree of success or exposure or understanding, you know, yeah. My life has unfolded beautifully. I've had so many incredible experiences. Um, I think I'm potentially mm-hmm. the most toured artist, you know, from our region. Uh, I've had, like, really profound experiences working in spaces that are completely entirely different from here, funded. I've built this beautiful friendships and brotherhood with Greg and Hook, who I've made music with for years uh, in Switzerland, doing the ping pong between Nairobi and Suizou. Um, that relationship, you know, me bringing them into my world and seeing all these people you meet to see now like Hook producing music with lots of, you know, uh, young Kenyan artists and producers. Um, so I feel happy with all those things that I've done. But now I don't have that sense of like, oh, I'm not Kenyan enough or it's not Kenyan enough. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> I've always been Kenyan enough. Um, mm-hmm. um, and I'm just one of those folks whose job is to elevate the room and um, 
to get us global, you know. Um, so I'm excited about where I am now, um, that I feel a lot more confident and rooted in myself um, and, and quite excited at, you know, really fulfilling the mandate of vision in my head, which is to make this like really global, bouncy, kapuka genge, somewhere in between there, you know, stuff that's really international and bouncy, uh, uh, that borrows some sensibilities from Afrobeats, borrows some sensibilities from house, nama piano, but is like really rooted in our own rhythmic drums and expression, is genge in its attitude um, mm-hmm. and in its storytelling, you know, but it's vibes. So that's the kind of music I'm cooking now. And I'm like, hell yeah, like, I'm excited about that, you know. <laughs> and yeah. now I don't feel, you know, worried about, like, my space in Kenya. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not worried about that at all. Mm-hmm. God, Good. that was such a long answer. No, it was it was also amazing such answer. a nice teaser. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you want to hear the music? Ten, ten, ten. <laughs> Music in the background. <laughs> oh man, this music! Yeah, the music we're making now is is is, is fire. It's like facts. It's like fire, mm-hmm. fire, fire music. Yeah. There's um, a hidden gem in yeah. criticism, and it's mm. called opportunity. Yeah. And you hit that right on the nail. And I'll speak to the timing again. Like, I feel like that criticism came at the right time for you. If it had come yeah, any sooner or any later, you would have been very different. Yeah. yeah. But it came at the right time. Yeah. And I mean, your journey speaks for itself. Like it made you the person that you are now and it gave you the perspective that you have now, yeah. which is a beautiful mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And would you say mm. there was a time, MDQ, that you were able to find that confidence to be bold enough then to be like actually i'm gonna find the strength in not being kenyan enough and therefore to create the path that you've created for yourself now was there something that someone said was there an event so for example um i think for us probably as this podcast i think for us has been recognized being recognized by people like yourself being recognized by unicef who in a collaboration with sort of just being like actually what you're doing keep on that path you know what I mean mm-hmm. because I think there's yeah. definitely been times on this podcast where I'm just like I don't understand why I'm waking up at six in the morning on a Saturday <laughs> after working <laughs> that whole week to record a podcast but then we have interviews like this and and, and not just like with someone as a celebrity as you but even just ordinary person who shares the story and I'm like wow that, that is actually what I needed to hear on this Saturday mm-hmm. this bleak mm. Saturday morning so for you was there an event was there something that someone said that was just like actually fuck this sorry language but actually <laughs> i'm gonna take you know you're you telling me i'm not kenyan enough to actually use that for my own gain and to be the person that you are now yeah I, honestly i would i would say i've had lots and lots of um I've had lots of affirmation along along the journey. I think like whether I was able to recognize it as affirmation is a whole other question, you know. Because I think of it now, I was like, oh, that was um, in the in this in twenty thirteen 
we took our record to Kiss. They said, you know, not Kenyan enough. The song that we were pitching, they're like, this sounds too much like Black Eyed Peas. Kenyans will never want a Kenyan who sound like this, right? Um, uh, the next year, um, that same song gets nominated for an MTV Music Award for Best New you know, Artist East Africa. Mm-hmm. Best New Song, right? Um, at that moment, I didn't recognize it. I, it felt like, you know, I thought they were just doing that thing that, you know, you have to balance the interests of the region, play the politics. Um, I had to campaign the song to Kenyans to be like, hey, please vote for me. I didn't feel that I could do that. I'm like, as whom? If I've been told I'm not Kenyan enough, like these same Kenyans, how can I be representing them? So I didn't really campaign it. Uh, but when we got to South Africa for the award show, literally everybody in the MTV crew was like, oh, you're Madani. Oh, my God, we love that music so much. And we see you amazing. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so it felt, it was very, it felt there was a lot of dissonance in that moment. So I couldn't recognize it for what it was, which was a signal for carry on. And actually, all these people who you're talking to are in the music industry the question should be about what is my next best logical move. I often wonder if I had had that home support, if um, the message we had received right from the drum was like, this is amazing, it's different, but it's worthy. Let's put some back into it and support it and see where it comes. I often wonder what would have been those outcomes. Mm. I suspect maybe I would have still been here where I am, but through a different route, you Mm. know, one that looked like support and acceptance and like love, you know. Um, so yeah, so that, you know, there's been multiple, and then like fast forward many years later in 2019, uh, one of the biggest festivals that we've played is this festival called Vier Charou. It's in the north, the top of France in Brittany area. Um, it's a multi-stage festival. Uh, we were playing the main stage. Uh, the main stage had three headliners. It was ourselves, David Guetta, Black Eyed Peas. Wow. Um, so then, I, you know, when we got off our performance and we went backstage, the whole, like, festival crew and the Black Eyed Peas crew was act- they actually had made a line and they gave us an ovation. Wow. So, you know, when I met Will, you know, I was just telling him, this is so strange, many years ago, you know, I had this song and the, the guy said that this song sounded so much like black eyed peas and I, mm-hmm. I, you guys have always been a guiding star it's a very it's very af- it's highly affirming to be on your stage you know to be backstage with you on the same stage so he was right kind of was my point like yeah. the insight was right his understanding of the context was wrong but his insight was right i have always mm-hmm. been of the family of black eyed peas and here we are backstage together and they're like oh man Sis, we love you. Wow. Who are you? Where have you been? You know. <laughs> so I'm glad that in that moment I was able to to recognize mm. it in a way that I hadn't recognized at the mamas all those years ago. So the short answer is yes, there will always be signs on your road that say carry on, you know. Even how I got into Switzerland was completely serendipitous. It's just people being like, Yeah, that's what's up, that's dope, we wanna pay for that, mm-hmm. come, we mess around in studio and see where it's going, you know. Um, wow. So, yeah, I hope in there somewhere there's an answer to your question. <laughs> yeah. Just to awesome. hear you 
on the stage with Black Eyed Peas right. and you're told that right. your voice is right. Black Eyed Peas and this is not okay for Kenyans and not suitable for Kenyans at this time. It's just like, wow, full circle in yeah. a way. Do you feel um, like the Kenyan industry, sorry, Gathani, do you feel like the no, Kenyan okay. industry is too critical when it comes to things like that? We are too critical as a people. <laughs> we are too critical. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. We're too ignorant. We are too loud yeah. about our ignorance. We are too right. proud yeah. in what we are ignorant about. Yeah. I mean, right. <laughs> Kenya is a whole thing. You know, it's a whole yeah. version. It's a whole variant of this matrix, you know. Um, but a, a lot of it just comes, I think, really, generally, I have a lot of compassion, even for the strongest critics among us. I think it's, there's really a strong case of what we don't know, and we don't know that we don't know. Mm. And we are in such an environment where it's like, you know, there are so few opportunities, there's so limited, um, or seemingly uh, so limited options for growth and headroom you know i think that we all become a little bit cynical and a little bit uh frustrated and the the need to survive you know i think it all just kind of melts into one pot and it will take a degree of just decontextualizing, you know, seeing things from another perspective, going to other places and seeing, you know. I remember when I, I, my first tour really in life was a project that the British Council announced in, I was part of this program in 2008-9 called uh, Bring the Noise. And we went and, you know, a bunch of Africans from different countries had a two-week residency in London. And then we were to perform the material that we created, you know. Nobody knew us. Uh, Often we sang in, like, different languages, and the audience didn't know who the hell we were. They'd never had that music on radio anywhere. They were just like, oh, there's this venue, there's a gig. It's like this cool African artist. Yeah, pull up. And they were like, yeah, sour, pull up. And that was my own experience as an artist. Like, oh, nobody needs to know your song. It doesn't need to have ever been played on a radio. It's just like if you have a... A, an interesting concept, a good live show, you're likely to make some connection with an audience. If you're pitched correctly to the audience, they're going to come. And that was transformative. I didn't know that. I didn't know that you could just sing your songs and nobody knows who you are and they can still like it and they can still come to the concert and they can actually pay. So, yeah. you know, without that experience. Um, so I could be stubborn about my shit because I've had this experience to lean back on. Mm-hmm. And lots of people, I think that's, the, that's one of the main missing things in our music ecosystem. Because you do not have another way of seeing it, you don't have another context, you do not have another way to frame this thing. It's really possible for you to not mm-hmm. see other options so it makes you small and cagey and 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 critical and super like defensive and you know you know really crabs in the barrel type of situation yeah yeah and and i think we can i think we could probably extrapolate that and describe sort of like the creative industry in general in kenya because when we talked to Lucy Kinuthia, we, we also sort of like touched on the whole thing with Gadoni about how she's offered a higher, she can, she's offered 
more money from American companies and Western companies in order to, to you know, she's an influencer in order for her to post mm-hmm. stuff for those companies. And she is from a Ken- from the Kenyan sort of like companies. And mm-hmm. I think you can probably extend that notion. Even I don't know if Dennis, if you would agree as a software engineer, if you were to be working from home as a freelancer and you're to work for an American company versus a Kenyan company, there's something that we lack as Kenyans to recognize our own worth. And Absolutely. I think there's, there's probably like a, maybe with with more i don't know if maybe because we're a young nation in comparison to sort of like um young in the sense of of understanding our worth because if you look like south south africans they eat their own makings you know what i mean they eat their Mm. own music they eat their own clothing whereas i think in kenya to be fair i think we're in like our infancy i'm seeing a lot more people sort of like creating clothing and jewelry and music and art and i think maybe now maybe like our children our children's children will be able to appreciate our own music and stuff and we'll be able to have that like um conscious incompetence so like i think right now we're in an unconscious incompetence where we don't know what we don't know like you said and maybe mm-hmm. now we're right. getting to the point of like we'll be able to understand like sort of like indians you know like indians will go to their own shops they you know <laughs> if it's their own hardware it's their own supermarket everything so maybe yeah. as kenyans we're getting to that point of um actually you know we are dope you know this is our mm-hmm. shit and it's amazing yeah. um and yeah. i think it starts off with people like you and like this podcast um where we're just like actually our voice matters um so maybe yeah. we have to go abroad to come back in order to show you that other people see it which is unfortunate but it's the truth um and then to come back and be like actually you need to have the confidence to make your own stuff even if the people at home don't recognize it yeah I also think there's different ways that we can do home. Hmm. I think that's that that's the other thing that I'm really thinking about. You know, like just this year I realized I've never ever 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 done a media run in vernacular radio stations. Wow. I don't know why I decided that that was not something that is available for me. Mm. I don't know why. And I 100% can engineer that. I mean, yeah. we can I, I can spend the year like making Kenyan sampled music only. Like, on God, I can take something from the Kalenjin Sisters catalog and make it mm-hmm. fantastic. And that could give me, you know, some access to Kass FM. But even with the K- yeah. Kiswahili stuff, there's literally no reason why I haven't done any of that. Mm. So, I, 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 you know, I, I think the older I'm becoming, the less uh, problematic these things are for me. It seems to me just like, oh, yeah, we all live in our silos, so somebody needs to build a common ground. I'm that somebody. Just do it. You know, like, don't make a big uh, fuss of it. It's, it, it, it's, just, it's just Kenya. <laughs> it's just Kenya. It isn't bad. It isn't good. It's just like, oh, the thing can be improved. And um, it's on us who think that we know better to do better. Hmm. So it's it's on me to get my ass to Mulembe FM and to KBC Radio. Hell yeah. You know, um, there's something to be said for just working the system that also exists, mm-hmm. which is something that because we were told it's not available for us, it's like, oh, I just, I just discounted it in its totality. I threw the baby out of the bathwater. And now I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. But in fact, you can engineer. You can engineer. 
in success is engineered. You can engineer these environments, hundred percent, hundred percent. So I'm I'm excited about the experiment, and I'm curious about the yield of the experiment. Um, yeah, somebody's got to do it. So yeah. I'm done. <laughs> right. <it. laughs> um, earlier you talked about. Um, Sometimes there are being signs and you don't see them. What was there a sign that led you into festivals like Blankets and Wine, After Novu, or what what led to the creation of those? Um, I just needed a place to perform, honestly. Wow. <laughs> I needed a gig. <laughs> I needed a, a monthly gig, you know. Mm-hmm. Um nobody was giving me a monthly gig, so I had already made a monthly gig that I was doing at a little dive bar in Westlands. Um, it had yielded some success. It had also hit its sort of um, uh, its ceiling. So it was really like, are you going to stay in music or are you going to quit music? If you're going to stay in music, are you going to change the circumstances around this music? So I thought I should, you know, probably find another bar. And then my friends, you know, Emukul and Rachel are like, no, that's stupid. Like, <laughs> bar owners are the same. Um, you're going to have it good for a while with the next bar owner. And then you're going to be in exactly the same situations. You still don't have the capacity, you know, like you don't really have the leverage. So, you know, why don't you just like try do something entirely different? And so in that brainstorming session, you know, the, the thought of blankets was born, uh, you know, instead of, doing things near do them far you know instead of Mm -hmm. trying to catch an incidental audience you know build an intentional audience Mm -hmm. instead of doing things by night do it by day you know just the more we were talking about the concept you know many years later i realized it's like basically everything i was doing just do the opposite (laughs) is what happened um and and then you know so the idea of blankets was born and i knew it would work Mm -hmm. because I had a gig, you know, uh, my my two my one hundred and fifty people gig, my you know two hundred mm-hmm. people gig. I'd had a gig, so I knew that it could work. Um, I knew my friends would come. I think my friends would pull up with other people. I was like, it's mm-hmm. day drinking on a Sunday, like with music. This feels like a no brainer. Yeah. Um, and it's a gorgeous location, and there's lots of artists like myself who have but also wallowing in this, like, no man's land. You're not Kenyan enough, but you're great. Like, um, people in Europe know you, but nobody at home really knows you because there's so limited um, avenues for people to know you. You know, the Susanna Wheels, the uh, Aaron Mboes, the Atemi Oyungu. I knew so many, the Unasis. I knew so many bands who are in this same sort of predicament. So I was like, I right, if I can convince people to take my mediocre performance fees, um, mm-hmm. And I and I make sure that their experience is really good, and I, you know, and they have a really dope music fast audience. You know, it could work. <laughs> and then we did the experiment, and then the first gig worked, and then the second gig worked, and then I was like, mm. "Oh shit, this thing can really work," you know. Mm. And then here we are, fifteen years later. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, that. You, if a Kenyan says just blankets and wine it's so synonymous in kenyan heritage and the music industry 
immediately everyone knows what that is. Yeah. Like it's so familiar in the Kenyan year. Where yeah. did the name come from? Blankets and my Simplistic friend. and beautiful. Where did it come from? Yeah, absolutely. From my friend Emukule. Kule was like, I don't know, you should call it something, something, wine, yeah. blanket, something. And then I woke up the next day, I was like, oh no, blankets and wine sounds better than wine and blankets. <laughs> Literally, my friend Emukule <laughs> gave me the name. Yeah. But it really was premise. The point wasn't like stick to the name, but the premise was, you know, kind of bring a blanket, bring you wine, ask mm-hmm. us, bring the music, you know? Yeah. Um, and then it stuck. And now I'm like, okay, blankets and wine means nothing in regards to like music. It does not tell you it's a music concert. Like if you see this name <laughs> by itself out there hanging out of the internet, you have no idea what it means, you know? Um, which I also am really grateful that kind of ambiguity um, has helped us, like, you know, Cheza Chini in the spaces where we need to lie low, you know. Uh, yeah, because it's still Kenya, you know. There's some people that you still just want to... Uh, there's a degree of uh, ambiguity that it gives, and it's helpful when you're navigating some Kenyan government offices. It's very good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's very good to not be <laughs> necessary to operate in opaqueness, you know, yeah. to use Kenyan terminology, yeah. to stay opaque. Yeah, there, <laughs> there's, there's some things to be gained for being opaque. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you your, your flowers in this, like, I've been to so many of them and I've heard people talk about them as well. People have gone through a lot of life experiences because they were at that event. Mm. And it's identified so many people in, you know, what they want to do in life, the connections that they've made, the networking that they've made because of being at that event. And it's such a beautiful thing. Like people know like, oh, yeah, 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 this happened. Where did it start? Well, I was at Blankets and Wine and then, you know, this happened. So just that creation that you've made and the impact that it has on so many Kenyans, us included. Yeah. It's just amazing. Oh, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. We're really... uh, Yeah, and (laughs) Cynthia and I went to Hillcrest, and I know that's where it started, right? Ah! (laughs) No, Hillcrest isn't where it started. Hillcrest is where we moved to. We started in Tayana. Nice, nice. Oh, nice. Yeah, we started at Tayana, and then we moved to Hillcrest uh, when Tiki Mason was the, um, the marketing director, and I think she, you know, she was pretty open. Like, yeah, a concert, yeah. a Sunday music festival, wine, sign me up. <laughs> so I'm really grateful for Tiki because she took a chance on us, you know, um, and it was really helpful. Yeah, the Hillcrest years were really good. We really enjoyed being at Hillcrest. Just out of curiosity, what's everyone's, like, favorite blankets and wine, including your MDQ, if you're willing to share. Oh, man. Yo, let <laughs> me go oh, first. Man. Yo, <laughs> let me go first. Girl, let me tell you, Liquid Deep. Man, I oh don't know how many years God. ago. What amazing. My gosh. I was a oh huge Liquid Deep fan at that point. Yeah. Just to see them live and perform. Man, still yeah. one of the best performances like I've ever been to in with Facts. Absolutely Facts. amazing. Facts. Absolutely amazing. Damn, Liquid Deep was dope, dope. Oh, man. <laughs> just amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Kadoni? Uh-huh. Oh, I mean... Yeah, Why? Gadoni, tell us. You're gonna do this to me. Why? For the whole world to know. I've actually never been <gasps> to Blankets and Wine. 
That's I know it's so bad. Perfect. I don't know. I don't actually know what I've been doing with my life. Like <laughs> for real, for real. Because my sister has gone for many real. times. And the other day I was asking her, when you are going, what was I doing? And she's like, I don't know. So I don't know. I know there's one in April. Let's but go. I think I'm I don't know. I'm gonna time that one or the next one. Is it supposed to be in July? In July. Yeah. Yeah. So one of those two I'm, I'm timing. Both yeah. of them. Both yeah. of them. Yeah. Both exactly. of them. To make up yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I'm really recommending April. I mean, like yeah. when else are you going to see Nyashinsky? Yeah. I saw the list, Nyashinsky, Boutros, I yeah. don't know who else yeah. was like. Yeah, yeah. and very mm-hmm. Lisa, Zinia. I mean Zinia, it's the vibes, yeah. ma'am. It's the vibes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the vibes. Uh, I think for me, um, I would say it was the first one I'd been to. Um, was the mm. one with Mikasa? Oh my god! Oh, oh so let me tell you I something. You know those people when you when you see the photos, those thirsty girls. I was the one at the yeah. front. I was the one. <laughs> that was like wow, 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 I, wow. <laughs> <laughs> you think it was just oh, the girls who were thirsty. Even the homies were, hey, yo, even me, I was there. Gonna <laughs> throw my boxes on stage, kind of thing. Like, yo, that it was like, amazing. Amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, I wonder, what is our, what's been my favorite one? Honestly, I don't really know that I have a favorite one um, because there's so many, you know, moments. We've had so many great years, but. I remember, and also there's so many where I've been and I wasn't attending. I was just working, you know. <laughs> so I I hear from you guys it was fun. I'm like, wow. Mm. <laughs> um, but we've had some pretty special ones. I think I remember us doing the reunion show for Mafikizolo in 2012, I think. They had broken up. And then our booker uh, had got them again in London and convinced them to play the Nairobi show. And so this was really like their first Mafikizolo together. And then it rained like it was being paid. It like rained. And I'll never forget just watching thousands of people dancing in the rain to Mafikizolo. Because when they came on, they're like, you know, are you guys with us? And people are like, hell yeah. And we're just there dancing in the rain. That, wow. for me, was, like, a really profound experience that one has stayed, like, etched in my mind. Um, I think mm-hmm. another blankets. Now, that one has stayed etched in my mind. The one I remember having so much fun, like, for tears in my eye for, like, I hope this day never ends, was uh, when we were 10 years, blankets are 10 years, and we had our, you know, full Kenyan lineup um, in 2018. I think that, for me, was, like... Yeah, it goes down as one of the best days in my life. The vibes was immaculate. The performances were amazing. I also performed that day. I smashed it. Just having so nice. much. Wow. Uh, Sauti, Nyash, Blinky, Chris Adwa. I mean, the programming was... Mwah. We never yeah. missed our programming. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was also just a feeling, a, a very celebratory feeling you know, um, these are all people we've come up with in the industry together, and now we are all headliners. Uh, or at least in that yeah context, we were all headliners, and just to have the love of the audience, the love of the city, the inspiration. So the 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 taste of blankets ten has stayed with me, you know, for a long, long, long time. 
some some Kenyans are very unforgiving, such as myself. You did us dirty. Mm-hmm. You you left us for three years. <laughs> it was a <laughs> pandemic. Tulikuwa <laughs> 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 pandemic wase. Pandemic wale. You know what I mean? That 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 period. Speak about that period, like the hiatus. You know, not being able to do what you love for mm-hmm. such a long time. And at the magnitude that it was, it was so synonymous, you know, in the Kenyan music industry. And then not being there for so long, you know, people talking about it. What happened to Blankets? Like, we need another event like this. What was that period like? Uh, can I tell you the truth? Please. For me, for I yeah. loved. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> I loved <laughs> I loved not having to think about a uh, gig. I loved not being uh, stressed about anything like I don't know finding financing, putting the gig together, I don't know whatever. We really needed a break. I really needed a life break. Mm. The team needed a life break. I remember when we finished doing that uh, Kenyan Summer One, you know, it was two weekends. One weekend was coffee, uh, one weekend was Go Link, right? So by the time we were done with, you know, Kenyan summer, which I think also goes down as one of the best <laughs> fun we've had, uh, I, I was done producing gigs, you know. I was like, I definitely continue, want to continue being in this organization. I really want to sit in my creative director bag and sort of chair of uh, of the board i really do not want to sit in day-to-day uh production um i was well and i was well over it and i also didn't want to do the ceo shit anymore so the break was extremely welcomed on our side um the other thing i really feel is you know crisis is opportunity because I have this American um, agents very early in the pandemic, they had, you know, helped me come to the realization that the pandemic wasn't going anywhere and that at best we should be thinking about Q4 of 2022. Of 2021, I think is what they had said. At best is to mm-hmm. think about Q1, or Q4 of 2021. So, and we were in Q1 of 2022, when I, of 2020, March I think 16th when we got shut down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And by April, I already knew that I should be thinking of the earliest recovery at the end of 2021. Um, and that's how the American industry was predicting. So I knew in my head to think in 2022. And the point for us when we were thinking about that is either we should be ready to for a market re-entry in Q1 of 2022 or we have to wait until Q4 because we have this weird election in the middle of the year. Right. And, you know, our data shows us, you know, every every election year, things just kind of slow down. You know, sponsors mm-hmm. don't commit, audiences get jittery, like everybody, you know. So it felt good to have space to think about other things. Um, and I was, I was, I was ready to just do that. But I think this is the first 2020 really was the first time since I began reaching for this music career, you know, as far back as 2005, that I actually had a moment to sit and be like, yeah, actually, what the hell am I looking for in all of this thing? And Mm -hmm. what's life really? And what's, 
what's this thing? That was the first time I had an opportunity to really sit with myself. And so I'm super grateful for that. I'm really grateful for, for that window of, of, of breathing and of resting and of rejuvenating and of trying different things, you know. Um, yeah. We came up with this, you know, sort of film concert hybrid which is my YouTube page, I did extremely well. You know, Blankets and One Presents Nairobi. That was great. It was so much fun working in Virian Ben Sold in the writing room with writers and, like, actors and, uh, you know, putting together a production. That production in the pandemic, you know, gave work opportunities to 116 folks. Wow. wow. Um, in addition to just pushing our creative envelope, you know. So I'm, I'm, I didn't have any, I didn't have any looking over the shoulder like, oh, I can't wait to go outside. I was like, thank God there's no outside. Mm. <laughs> thank God. <laughs> yeah. So that's what it really looked like. What's the future for it? Give us the tea. What, what are we expecting from it like in the next couple of years? Um, for one thing, uh, now we've decided uh, a quarterly cadence for Nairobi. Mm. <laughs> Um, we're going to experiment with that for this year, next year, for sure, and see um, where that gets us. Um, our initial thought had been to do, you know, um, an annual Blankets in Nairobi and then an annual Nouveau. And, you know, our data shows us that they're not the same audience. The annual um, festival business model also is, is we're not at the point at which we can sustain business operations with kind of like two big events. So you need... Uh, you know, the the quarterly cadence to be able to build the right cash flow and also to build the community. There's also a lot of music now that is being produced. You know, um, the industry is back at like high creativity, a lot of stuff that sits really well on the blankets platform. So a quarterly cadence is perhaps the better, you know, you know uh, flow for the gig right now. Um, Kigali is coming back this year. Uh, we did Kigali 2017, uh, but mm-hmm. we didn't have the right local partner. So we waited for our contract to run out and then pandemic came and so whatever. Now we've built the right local partnership. So we're expecting uh, blankets in Kigali this summer, um, uh, or the Kigali summer for that matter. Um, we are exploring a, a pop-up, a blankets pop-up in Dubai um, at the end of April, early May. Um, we want to see what Dubai could be. Um, Dubai is super open. I mean, they run out of oil, right? So now they're just like, come, do everything, other things. <laughs> so uh, there's a huge East African diaspora there. There's also a great international community. So I think with the right curation, right venue, right location, right everything, Dubai could actually mm-hmm. be quite an interesting um, um, growth opportunity. Uh uh, Uganda's been stable. We're 10 years in Uganda, you know, so that's what's up. Uganda's really dope. We really enjoy that uh, experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I was just ch- chatting with you guys, you know, from the beginning, like as early as 2009, uh, the Kenyans in the UK were like, oh, we should have blankets here, breakfast blankets. <laughs> and we, we just never did it. It doesn't mean that we couldn't have done it. We just didn't have the capacity. We didn't have the bandwidth. We didn't have the experience. We didn't know what we know now. Um, so I'm really certain, you know, this side of 2030, you know, in these next years, I'm really certain that we export blankets. 
um, I think we become really foundational in the UK. I think we become really foundational um, in uh, uh, in America, and I think there may even be an opportunity to become foundational uh, in France uh, and really kind of speak to um, the Kenyan in France and kind of just like uh, the African diaspora that is not in England, right? So guys who are in Germany, who are in Norway, who are in Sweden. I think we could use France kind of as a as a spot to congregate folks. So lots of international growth. Um, the music requires it. We need to connect the, the, the audiences if we're, you know, to have a successful uh, run at a global takeover. I think we're going to need to connect the audiences. Um, but I also think that just like looking at like how world economics is working, uh, Kenyan businesses must really think around how to earn in hard currency and so um, international markets yeah the, these are the years very sadly very sadly so but I think we are back to like the more years when like lots of Kenyans left and went abroad because mm-hmm. like the conditions at home weren't that great I think that mm-hmm. we are going to be in this economic dump for a hot minute so options <laughs> we, we are gonna need some options <laughs> yeah 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 and as we yeah. come to the end of this uh podcast episode and really thank you um for joining us and i just want to ask a question for gadoni rounds us up as she usually does you've talked about what's the future for blankets and wine but you started off this podcast introducing yourself and said that you're new mama so What's next for MDQ as, you know, a new mom, um, as you know, you, you took a break, you know, those three years during the pandemic from Blankets and One. And it sounds like for you, again, you did that thing that you do really well. You leaned into the discomfort, you leaned into the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So what's next for MDQ? And um, yeah, we'd love to hear that. Music! I'm back in the studio. <laughs> love love Man, I'm really back. I'm 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 back bigly. This is the uh... <laughs> shout out to Donald Trump. I really love that word bigly. Actually, ever since he invented it, I was like, why wasn't this word in the American in the English dictionary always? You know, yeah. it's so good, bigly. You know, I love it. It's really one of my favorite words. So yeah. I'm in music. I'm back making music bigly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working a lot from home. Uh, in studio with lots of producers. I've uh, I've been wanting to be in studio with. As I've told you, I'm really. Uh, I've been of the opinion from the beginning that I am a genre. Amen. So now I'm just finally uh, allowing, you know, myself to just be a genre. So I'm developing a sound for myself. I think that this is you know there's lots of work that has already been down foundationally around this and i'm just adding to the conversation um i'm also almost back at drums you know um just uh because my drums have been stuck in switzerland for a hot minute so i'm acquiring new drums here (laughs) and getting back uh into into rehearsal and really bringing the drums back you know so for me in my head 2023 and 24 is one year this year, next year, in my head is one year, okay. um, uh, and it's one year of experimenting, of playing, of making music, of African travel, um, of really. Uh, my vision is at the end of twenty twenty four to have a Banner Boy moment, you know, mm. 
So uh, an, an international takeoff, but on your terms, you know. Mm. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. Send me good vibes and... Uh, and, uh, and always, and, always. And may, may my lazy ass get back into like a gym so that I can sustain life performance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so what's in just, the car. Just, yeah. just before uh, Gavani wraps up with a question, like, so I've been asked to do this. So <laughs> there was a time in your journey wait, 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 when you were starting and you used to go to this place for, for vocal training. And there was this small little boy who used to bring you a glass of water at that place you went to go for vocal training to. I was that small little boy and the person that what? you were doing vocal training for was one Mrs. D, Deodera. So yes. I've been asked to, that's mom's. That's mom's. <laughs> oh, oh snap! Yeah, so I've been I've been told to say hi. <laughs> like, you really can't act on the DL. Yeah. Tennis for like, for like three weeks, of course. I was not going to tell you. I was going to say it on this podcast. I was not going to mention it until it was on this oh podcast. Oh my God. Are you serious? <laughs> Miss yes. Odari is your mom? That's mom's. Like she knows I'm talking to you right now. She says hi. She says wow. <laughs> you've been lost. Yeah. I was that small little boy bringing you a glass of water when mom's was giving you vocal training. Oh my yeah. god, your mom is such a good musician. Yeah, she's amazing. She's amazing. Absolutely. Is she still is she still giving like voice classes? He- heavily so, heavily so. Music is her hmm. passion, so she loves it. She absolutely loves it. Yeah. So basically what we are saying is after this podcast, we are staying on the call so I can like acquire her number. Yeah, because like it's literally it's like it's not a joke. It's literally the stuff yeah. that I'm starting uh uh like not next week, but the other week, I've like yeah. schedule time. Yeah, like you have to get some voice training again. I have to like, oh yeah, absolutely. Wow. Rediscover my instrument. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's yeah. Really giving oh, to snap! Yeah, it's it's yeah. giving meant to be. Which is why, like this, this podcast like meant so much to me because I've seen your journey from literally starting as a you know just trying to get you yeah. and seeing. And just how far you've come and like how big of a star you are now and just hearing your story now, which is why I held it until the very end, just to talk through ah, that journey. That's so amazing. So amazing. Yeah. If someone yeah, can it's, keep a it's, secret, it's, it's Dennis. <laughs> Shout out, Dennis. Shout out. And your mom's home was so beautiful. I remember she had a lot of African art. She's a collector. Yeah, still the same home. Still the same home. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, still the same, same place? Still the same place. Literally where I'm recording right now. Still the same place. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My yeah. mind is very, very blown right now. <laughs> That's a good one. I did not yeah. see that coming at all. <laughs> I did not have any questions. That's why. <laughs> yeah. That's what's up. Okay. Yeah. 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 Tell Miss D. I, I desperately require. I desperately require some re, some realignment. So Absolutely. I'll be finding yeah. her. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you for that. And tell her hi. She's a wonderful teacher. She's a yeah. wonderful teacher. Yeah. She's fantastic. Yeah. Like damn. She she's a superstar in, in yeah. You know, and like yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. mom's. That's my great. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Amazing. <laughs> that's, that's a great way to end this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. I feel like we can just end it there, guys. You know. Okay, we don't need <laughs> any more. I, I don't think so. But yeah. what but what I will say is um you know we're rooting for you we're cheering you on um your you know your goals for the next few years are very impressive 
and to be would really want you to come back for a part two so that oh, we can absolutely. hear how the journey has been yes. indeed we, what we should do is we should give ourselves um we should say we should talk in 2026 that feels like a good halfway point yeah. between no. now yeah absolutely. yeah, yeah. To, to Patana 2026. Yeah. <laughs> and just that. so you know, we'll be the biggest podcast in 2026. Hell so yeah. Hell yeah. I believe get that. your people to talk to our people. And then we'll I, I believe that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Danny's. I'm Danny. I'm Danny with that Manifesting. story. Manifesting. 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 <laughs> but it's been amazing having you on this podcast. Absolutely. You Thank you, guys. Yeah, you've taught us so much. It was lovely hearing your journey from beginning to end. I feel like mm-hmm. we can talk to you for hours. So many <laughs> questions I know, like I have, my co-hosts have, the listeners have, but just in this short space of time, it's just been absolutely amazing. Thank you for coming Thank on you. this podcast. To our listeners, this this is what a journey is like, you know. This is how you study economics and just being one of the biggest inspirations in Kenya. You know, it's, it's magnificent to hear from someone who has made it, from someone who has gone through, you know, struggles, overcoming those struggles, personal struggles, struggles that have been held on by an entire country, by an entire industry, and just being one of the biggest people like in the country. Like just for us, you're an inspiration to us as co-hosts, us as listeners, us as individuals, and we're super excited to see where your journey goes. It's not the end. Fantastic. Yeah. Hiya. Asante ni sana. And uh, may your podcast grow. May your enjoyment <laughs> of the work grow. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, guys. All Bye. Right. Bye. Thank you for tuning into another episode of A Kenyan's Experience. If you found this episode inspiring or even helpful, then please do us a solid and share it with close friends or family or even just share it to the world. We appreciate you. Hit us up. Check out that new feature, the voice notes. Let us know what you think about this episode. We'd love to hear back from you. 